In the immediate aftermath of our son Witt's birth, which hard to believe was one year ago this past Sunday, in the immediate aftermath of his birth, countless people approached me asking about his name. Not just about Wit, which, by the way, was April's great-grandfather's name, but more particularly about his first name, Cyrus. Where did we come by that name, people wanted to know. Why Cyrus? Well, the answer is, Cyrus was my grandfather, my mom's dad. He died when I was 10, and all my life I have been hugely proud of him. Born the son of the city sheriff, he went on to attend Duke Medical School and out of med school went on to become the first radiologist in my hometown of High Point, North Carolina. By the time he died, he was an extremely accomplished man. And to this day, I have people around my hometown occasionally stop me to tell me how much they loved and revered my grandfather. So it just felt fitting to name our son after this man whom I loved and admired so much. But here's the thing. What I remember the most about this grandfather whom I love, that is, the one memory that I most often turn to when thinking about what kind of a man he was, well, that memory has nothing to do with my grandfather's professional accomplishments or his community prominence. Instead, it's an isolated memory of something he did for me when I was nine years old, not long, in fact, before he himself passed away. And by the time the story I'm going to tell you takes place, my family had been living with my grandfather for about a year. My grandmother had been gone for several years at this point, and by the time we had moved in with him, he'd become too weak and too feeble to live on his own. So therefore, we moved in with him where my mom and my dad helped take care of him. Well, one day, not terribly long before he passed, I got sick at school and had to come home early. However, both of my parents were busy that day, so they only had time to come and pick me up and then take me back home where I was given instructions to stay in bed, which I did. But their day ended up stretching into the evening, and thus by supper time, they still had not made it home. Well, supper time came and went, and still I lay in bed upstairs hungry and eager for my parents to finally get home. Now, it's important for this story to know that my bedroom was at the top of the stairs. That is, as you reach the top of the stairs and turn left, there was my bedroom. And it's also important for this story, in fact, it's vital for this story to know that in the 18 months or so that we had been living in this house with my grandfather, he had not once attempted to come up those stairs. 
He was far too feeble for that by this point. So back to the story. So there I lay, hungry and eager for my parents to get home. And there my grandfather was, downstairs in his bedroom, doing I knew not what. When all of a sudden I heard footsteps on the staircase. They were hesitant footsteps and cautious. I could hear, by the way, the banister was creaking, that it was being clung to with particular force. And I listened to that forced effort all the way up the stairs, at which point I saw my grandfather peek his head into my doorway where he said to me, Hey, buddy, bet you're getting pretty hungry, aren't you? Would you like for me to order you a pizza? And I said, yes, and he did. And it came, and I ate it. And that was the end of that story. Only that was not remotely the end of that story. Because I think about that story all the time. Looking back now as an adult, I realized my grandfather had no business climbing those stairs. I realize now what danger he put himself in climbing those stairs. In fact, I realize how grossly irresponsible of him it was to climb those stairs. And thus I realize just how much he loved me and cared for me. How important I was to him and how far he was willing to go to show that to me. And therefore, when people ask me why I named my son Cyrus, stories like this are the reason. Not just because my grandfather was a decorated physician and an exemplary human being, but more importantly, because he did things like make that trek up the staircase that day to buy me a pizza when he knew I was hungry. And here's the thing about this story, the reason I bring it up today. Unlike my grandfather's educational record or his professional career or his civic involvement or the numerous memories we as a family share of him, unlike all of those things, only I witnessed this event. I share it with no one other than with him. And he, of course, is no longer here for me to share it with. And so when people ask me about him, about what kind of man he was, and about why I loved him so much, I tell this story. But then when I do, I have no one to confirm it to myself other than me. And so for that reason, I sometimes even feel as if I'm making it up as if it didn't really happen and I just wish that it had. Yet deep down, I know it did. Even if it was over 30 years ago and even if no one else was there to witness it and confirm it but me, I know it happened. And so I cling to that memory and I cherish that memory and I tell others about that memory and I do things like name my son Cyrus so as to bear witness to that memory. And so now seven minutes and a thousand words into this sermon, you're probably wondering what does this have anything to do 
with today's scripture lesson. Other than being a sweet story about a boy's love for his grandfather, what bearing can this possibly have on Jesus' ascension in Luke chapter 24? I'd certainly be wondering that if I were you. Well, the answer to that question is everything. It has everything to do with Luke chapter 24. Because if we look closely at this story I've just told you about me and my grandfather, we will see deep resonance and deep significance in hearing that story in the light of Luke 24. However, before I attempt to explain how, let us first pray together that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing unto God this morning. Would you pray with me, please? Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still, that we might hear from you. Amen. In Luke chapter 24, we see the very end of Jesus' earthly experience with his disciples. By this juncture in the story, the disciples have lived and walked with him for three years now. They've watched him die a brutal death and then undergo a shocking resurrection. And now they have journeyed with him out of Jerusalem to its border with Bethany, where they now hear the resurrected Jesus say to them, quote, All of this that you have seen of me has been in accordance with the Scriptures. And you are witnesses of these things. Then he explains to them that they are to go forth and share these things they've witnessed to the far ends of the earth. And then, according to the text, he lifts his hands to bless them. And then no sooner has he done so than, quote, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And just like that, he's gone. gone. And so I want us to think now about those disciples left standing there as he withdraws. One moment he was there, and while he was, all of those things that they were to be witnesses of, his life, his teachings, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, all the lives they'd seen transformed, their own lives and the way they'd been transformed. All of this while he'd still been standing there, all of this in that moment seemed so certain. He seemed so certain. But then the next moment he's gone. And though they knew that they were called to be witnesses of what they'd seen, the longer they went without him, the more they had to rely on one another to be witnesses of these things. We can almost hear them sitting around the fire at night. Peter saying to the group, Y'all remember that time when Jesus healed that blind man in Bethsaida? Do y'all remember that? Wasn't that something? 
or hear John saying, yeah, well, how, how about that time, Peter, when we raced to the tomb? Remember that? Remember, remember how I beat you there? And you remember how, how confused you were, but how I saw it and how I immediately believed? Just as we can hear Philip saying, I remember how skeptical I was when Peter and Andrew came and told me that they'd found the Messiah and that he was from Nazareth of all places. Y'all remember that? If we listen closely, just underneath the text, we can almost hear these conversations. Now make no mistake, it's not that they doubted the content of their experiences. It's simply that the farther removed they became from the source, the more they relied on bearing witness to one another to make it real for them all over again. See, the key was in telling and retelling the story, keeping the story alive, passing it back and forth to one another and passing it on to anyone who was willing to listen. And so it was that they told that story so often that soon enough, as the book of Acts puts it, this story told by these isolated witnesses, this story began to, quote, turn the world upside down. And the reason it did is because once someone else had their world turned upside down by it, once someone else had been transformed by the reality of God's love for them in Christ and by the reality of Christ's resurrection, once that had happened for someone else, then they too were compelled to go forth and bear witness to what they'd experienced. And therefore, just like those first disciples before them, soon enough as their initial encounter with Christ grew more and more distant, as it withdrew from them too, then they too depended on the practice of bearing witness to one another so as to bolster their faith in this story as well. Do you follow this? We see, we experience, we have our lives changed, and then we bear witness to the transformation. We tell the story of how alive Christ has been for us in certain moments. And we tell these stories not only to convince others to follow Christ, but also so as to remind ourselves of how real those experiences were. And of how worthy they really were of our building our entire lives around them. Yes, just as Christ withdrew from the disciples during the ascension, so too we must understand does Christ withdraw from us after our most powerful encounters with him. And just like in the ascension, this doesn't mean he is withdrawn from us and is no longer with us. It means instead that like in the ascension, he remains here with us through his Holy Spirit. Not as immediately visible and as palpable as our direct encounters with him, but always here with us right down to the end of the age. Leading us back now to the question of what this has to do with me and my grandfather. 
I hope the connection's already somewhat clear, but allow me to fill it out. Like the disciples upon Jesus' ascension, and like the growing distance from those moments in our own lives when Jesus has felt the most real to us, like those experiences, and like the imperative to bear witness to these things so as to keep the memory alive and pass it on to others, like that, so too do I tell that story of my grandfather and hold close to that story of my grandfather and go so far as to name our son after my grandfather in order to bear witness to these things. Like those disciples at the edge of Jerusalem and Bethany, there was no one else to see my grandfather climb those stairs that evening and offer me a pizza. There was no one else there to see the look of exhaustion and strain on his face. And thus there was no one else there to affirm for me the implication I drew from it all. That my grandfather, this towering hero in my community and a man respected by everyone, that this man loved me dearly and would do anything for me. Only I witnessed it. And so when he descended those stairs, he and with him that precious moment, when he descended those stairs in a very real way, he in essence withdrew from me. And so in order to maintain the power of that moment, I bear witness to it whenever the opportunity arises. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus tells his disciples in today's passage. So be not shy, he means, about sharing what you have seen and heard and experienced of me. Don't be afraid to tell the story, he is saying. Friends, Jesus spoke these words to those disciples some 2,000 years ago. But they are every bit as applicable to us as they were to those disciples then. For like those disciples then, so too today, has encountering the risen Christ transformed our own lives. We wouldn't be worshiping together today if it had not. Meanwhile, also like those first Disciples, those moments of arresting encounter do not happen for us every day, but they are instead moments that we cling closely to and that we depend upon to help anchor us in the daily mundane rhythms of Christian discipleship. Which is another way of simply saying, like those first disciples, so too does Jesus withdraw from us after our most direct encounters with him, instructing us all the while to go and bear witness to all we have seen and heard, not just to go and persuade others to follow him, though this is most definitely part of the reason we bear witness, 
but also and of equal importance so as to bolster our own faith and the man we have dedicated our lives to following. In his novel, Hannah Coulter, Wendell Berry writes, and I quote, when you remember the past, you're not remembering it as it was. You're remembering it as it is. It is a vision or a dream, present with you in the present, alive with you in the only time you are alive. On this Ascension Sunday, then, let us commit once more to remembering. Let us commit once more to bearing witness to the way God's radical love in Christ has transformed our own lives. Memories present with us in the present. Memories alive with us in this, the only moment we are alive. Yes, on this Ascension Sunday, when most of us, like those disciples, are left staring up into heaven, our most direct encounters with Christ now living only in our memory bank. Yes, let us on this Ascension Sunday, like those disciples, not grow weary and complacent. Let us not grow stagnant and cynical. Let us instead, like them, return to our homes with great joy, as the text says, continually blessing God. Yes, dear friends, on this Ascension Sunday 2020, let us remember and let us bear witness to these things. Amen.